Hello? You play to win the game. I mean, listen, we're talking about practice. Not a game, not a game, not a game. We're talking about practice. To LeBron James! That was insane! Officially insane, LeBron James! Hi there, hello, and welcome back to another edition of Claws to the Wall. It is your host, Justin Brown, here as always, and I'm joined by the wonderful Paxton Graff and Colton Gibson. You've heard them before. We got J.P. Flanagan here as well on the cast. We got an exciting weekend to talk about, guys. I mean, the Bobcats got some great wins, and we've seen some national football sports, and we're definitely going to be talking about that. But let's start off with some Texas State and some San Marcos sports before we get to the national picture. And we'll have to start off with Texas State soccer, okay? Texas State soccer just got a 4-1 win over ULM last Sunday. In that game, you saw Matty Goss, the sophomore from Garland, Texas, get a hat trick, and Kiara Gonzalez to get a tally, you know, tally goal in the last quarter, I mean, the last half of the game, and they got the win. So, guys, what does this mean for, you know, Steve Holman? They're getting their, you know, conference wins. They're getting into conference play. How does this, you know, bring their momentum, and what does this offense say? I think it was definitely a good bounce back. I think that te- this team is really good at that. You know, you're coming off of a game against Georgia Southern where it ended on a 1-1 tie. Nobody was really succeeding offensively. So you come out and you score four goals. And Maddie Goss had three of them, and she was named Offensive Player of the Week for that. That's the second uh, week in a row a Texas State player got a an award for the Sun Belt. Um, so it was a great uh, offensive showing following the little offensive struggle. And I think as they continue to, to have these games, as long as they can improve between each and every game, as long as they can bounce back and you know really improve upon what they struggled in the game before, they're going to have a, a, a good season. Yeah, and going off the offensive struggle, they did. They have previously been having some offensive struggles with their previous three opponents. But this game, I mean, offense just went off, and it was obviously behind Maddie Goss. I mean, she was carrying that offense, but that's not to say the rest of the offense was bad. It's just she was phenomenal this game. But the defensive side, I mean, we were t- or I was talking about last week on last week's episode, the defense has been struggling a little bit. They've given up, you know, roughly uh, before this game, they gave up roughly five points in their previous three games. This game, they only gave up one point. And so, uh, obviously, it's not what they were seeing in the beginning of the season with all these shutouts, but it was improvement. And I'm excited to see how they'll go against Southern Miss this week, another conference opponent. So, they, uh, like I've been saying every week, expect them to go undefeated and go into a conference championship undefeated. Yeah, a good bounce back win from this team. Uh, we saw them come out of that game disappointed from that tie 1-1 against Georgia Southern. Uh, obviously a team that uh, was struggling to start the season, only two wins, five ties. Um, that doesn't give us a lot to show for how good that team really is, but I think that's a, a win You know, the, the Bobcats really wish they had back. Um, this record looks a lot better with that on the win column, but a good bounce back win to interconference play. Um, taking a look at Conference West Division, right, or the Sunbelt Conference West Division, um, kind of in the driver's seat right now, tied with, with records with uh, South Alabama. So uh, looking up right now and a good bounce back win coming out of that tie from Georgia Southern. Yes, a huge bounce back win for the Bobcats. Now they're 8-1-2 and two as the record, and they'll be 
going away to play the Southern Miss Golden Eagles on Saturday, October 1st at 12 p.m. But before we, you know, talk about any other sports, I just wanted to mention a few facts about this game. Uh, the hat trick by Matty Goss was the 12th in program history for the Bobcats, and it was the first time since Lauren Prater accomplished this feat against Georgia State on October 23rd, 2015. Um, and then Juana Plata, she had two assists, one to Matty Goss and one to Kira Gonzalez on that afternoon, and that was a career high for her and the most in one game since Texas State player um, Yalua, I can't pronounce the first name, aided on both goals, and that was in September 16th of 2020. So, um, yeah, it's just records being broken left and right by this Bobcat team, and we're talking about they're offensively they bounce back and they're looking to spread that into next conference play in that next game like we mentioned. Southern Miss Golden Eagles, October 1st at 12 p.m. You can catch that game on ESPN+. Another Bobcat team that came away with a win was the volleyball team. The volleyball team, you may have heard it on the Friday edition of BCR. Thursday, they played against ULM, and they won that 3-0. They got a clean sweep over ULM. Friday, they played. They got a 3-1 series, and guess what? The Bobcats now are 10-4 in volleyball. I want to hear your thoughts on this game. You know, obviously, Jada Gardner went out with 16 kills. Janelle Fitzgerald, 12. Emily DeWalt with 47 assists. We saw her get 60 last tournament. Guys, what are your thoughts on the Sean Hewitt's volleyball team right now? You know, you go on the road to start your conference schedule, and there's some good volleyball teams in the Sun Belt, and you go on the road and you make a statement like this, and I think that's a great way to start. And I think that Sean Hewitt can be more proud of the the girls for going out and doing that. You look at the, the seven sets that they played, and there was three separate sets where they won by uh, 10 points or more. And that the, the fact that they're just dominating teams like this, uh, the Sun Belt needs to be needs to be alert about about the Bobcat volleyball team. You know, you look at the first game, uh, Maggie Walsh got her first career volleyball start and had a 12 kill 14 dig double double. So she's, you know, really making a difference on this team in her first year. And then another story that I have talked about on, on Bobcat Radio and I'll continue to talk about is with the 47 assists that you mentioned, Emily DeWalt moved up to third on the all time Sunbelt Conference assist leaderboard and enters this weekend's games against James Madison, just 37 assists shy of second place, which I have no doubt that she will, you know, find 37 assists out there. And, you know, hopefully by the end of the season, she'll be at the top of that list. And that'll be a lot of fun to see. Uh, I mean, just the Texas State sports this weekend with, I mean, they are a perfect 3-0 and against ULM Monroe. Uh so that's that's just a neat stat to point out. Three zero against the Louisiana Monroe teams, uh, but going off the volleyball team, uh, like you said, Maddie Walsh had a wonderful collegiate start. We talked about that on a Friday night uh, during our halftime uh, post uh, for the football game. But I mean, she had a phenomenal game. But also uh, Fitzgerald Gardner. I mean, they're they're just continuing to be dominant in all their games and I mean the fact that they went six and one to open up uh conference play for for these sets is it's a dominant approach and that's just leading to what I've been saying all year long trying to go back to that conference championship and they are definitely in the hot seat right now because I mean they are they're currently leading the west and their next opponent is the East Division leading JMU Monarchs. So that'll be a fun game to watch, and it will be here. So you can definitely bet that I'll be going to that game. Yeah, um, now that you mentioned James Madison, uh, their past four games, they haven't dropped a set. They're 12-0 and in all these uh, games, or 
12 sets to zero uh, in all these games. So a tough matchup, especially one in conference. Um, you mentioned that they want to get back to this conference championship. And what's it, what a great way to start than um, showing yourself against the top team in the East right now. Um, so, yeah, two strong teams kind of meeting to start the conference play. Um, but James Madison would be a good test for the team. Yeah, James Madison's definitely going to be a good test for this team. And uh, as you mentioned, Colton, before we continue, I just want to say, yeah, you know, Emily DeWalt, she may just be 37 assists shy from passing more in the records and the assist record books for NCAA volleyball. And I think it's definitely possible, you know, we may see it in again, you know, in one of these sets against James Madison, or it could be in one of the next, you know, conference games. But Emily DeWalt is going to get that record eventually. We've seen her get 60 assists in previous games and combine that duo with Janelle Fitzgerald, Jada Gardner. This team's definitely going to do something. But yes, the James Madison, they're going to be playing James Madison here in Strahan Arena, Friday at 6 p.m. and Saturday at 12 p.m. Uh, make sure you can catch those on ESPN Plus as well as KTSW 89.9. But guys, we're going to take a one last trip, one last winning Texas State Bobcat team. We got soccer out of the way. We got volleyball out of the, t out of the way. We're going to talk about football. But before we get to that, I'm just going to keep that on the edge of y'all seats. Listeners, we're going to talk about Rattler football. I'm sorry. I'm sorry I'm just playing <laughs> y'all. Because I, because many of y'all, you know, y'all counted Rattler football out last week when we told you about this tough game against Eagle Pass. But, guys, they did pretty good. It was a loss for the Rattlers, unfortunately, for a homecoming game. But 31 to 39? I mean, guys, that is a pretty good fight. We were expecting the Eagle Pass Eagles to come in here and do crazy things. We've seen the Eagle Pass Eagles be dominant against other teams in the area. And the Rattlers were looking scared, but they put up a good fight. They had a, a first half lead and unfortunately they, they couldn't get they couldn't get away with the win. Colton, what were your thoughts on this Rattler? Rattler loss? I was up in the booth with uh, Paxton and Kyle doing stats, and it was a tough one to see the ending of. You mentioned they they once led this game 31 to 13. You know, the homecoming crowd was big and they thought they were going to see this big win. And I thought it I thought so too. You know, the first play of the game was a 75-yard touchdown pass from Isaiah De Leon to Tony Diaz and I was like, "Wow, this is this is exciting." And even going to halftime, you know, me and Paxton talked about it during halftime how the Rattlers were surprising us and how if they continued to do what they were doing in the first half that they should have no trouble winning. The issue was they didn't continue what they were doing in the first half. The offense just kind of stalled out. The defense started to struggle. The opposing team's quarterback had five touchdowns on the ground. The offensive lineman penalties picked back up, multiple false starts, multiple holdings. Just the little mistakes that have held them back in previous weeks came back, and it proved to, to make them fall again. They just ha are struggling to fix these mistakes long-term and close out these games. They have leads and they give them up and that's what happened again here yeah it was um it was definitely a fun game to call without a doubt but i mean at one point like you said they were up 31 13 they were up 19 to 0 uh at one point as well and i mean just to allow the team to come back just like that and then ultimately win it it's just i mean you got a lot of questions as to how or why but I mean, I remember the, the last two throws for Daily On were both picks. And like when the first one happened, it was definitely demoralizing. But then the Eagle scored and then took the eight point advantage. And you're like, there's still a minute 56 left on this clock. They could easily go all the way down, score. Now, two point conversions were a struggle for them that night, but they definitely could have done it and tied that game up. 
and then Inslee throws the next pick, and you just knew it was over at that point. So it was tough to watch, but, I mean, hats off to the Eagles. I mean, Isaac Stanwick, who was their quarterback, had a phenomenal game, both passing-wise and rushing-wise. I, I don't remember how much uh, – how many rushing yards he had, but I mean, it was easily over a hundred because he was literally their rushing offense because uh, they, they had nothing going as far as their running backs, but he, he showed his speed on a, a I believe it was a 58 yard rushing touchdown. Um, and so it was definitely a tough Eagles team, but you can't be up 19 0 and somehow end up losing that game by eight points. You just can't. Yeah, I mean, that's a game I wish I would have gotten to actually seen with my eyes. Uh, I was in here with Kobe, and we were just kind of, or he was producing. I got to listen to it, and, you know, you, you hear 19-0, and you're like, oh, you think this thing is in the bag? Um, coach is playing aggressive play calling, not really kicking the field goals, going for two. Um, you see that kind of come back and bite them a little bit because those are points you wish you had back. Um, obviously, that would have messed with Eagle Pass's play calling a little bit. But um, a tough team nonetheless. Um, they had outscored their opponents 191-48 to going into that game. So being up 19-0, um, definitely some spots to work on. But you, you like what you saw. I mean, aggressive start, good play calling. But obviously the team got complacent and obviously something went wrong there. You're going to have to take a look at this in the uh, week off and obviously fix some things. But um, tough loss to, say, loss, to say the least. Yes, a tough loss for the Rattlers. When I look at this game, though, the first thing I think of is that that first home game against the Hutto Hippos. And I think about how the way they started this season at home and they gave up over almost 150 yards and penalties. It seemed like the team wasn't really getting things clicking. And look at them now. I think of this as growth. I see this as um, you know, progression for this team. They're holding Eagle Pass Eagles to 31, I mean, 39 points. I, I believe they could score more than they have against other teams. So, yes, the Rattlers taking a tough loss here at home hum, on homecoming, unfortunately. But their next game will against the Clemens Buffaloes, and that's going to be at home at 7.30 p.m. on Friday, October 7th at Toyota Rattler Stadium. You can hear that on KTSW 89.9 for sure. But guys, I won't keep you all on the edge of your seat any longer. We'll talk about Texas State football because there's some exciting news to get out. Texas State football played against the HCU Huskies. Yes, HCU, not BU anymore, guys. The Houston Christian University Huskies came to Texas State and unfortunately lost 34 to 0. Um, guys, this game broke some huge records. It was the first time they had a blowout. Um, it, it was actually their largest win for the Bobcats in September 12, 2015, when they beat Prairie View a and 63 to 24. And it was the first shutout since they did it against Arkansas Pine Bluff 65 to zero on August 30th, 2014. But guys, I wanted to hear your thoughts about the Bobcats. This is their best home, their best start, their best start in years. Um, what are y'all's thoughts from this team so far? It was a very good bounce back following that Baylor game that was tough to watch. Uh, unfortunately, you say two and two is the best start, which is a little unsettling, <laughs> but it's it's promising, I guess. Um, you were expected to be HCU, so I'm glad that they went out and you know did what they were supposed to do. They shut them down on defense. Cordell Rogers got his third interception. He's been all over the place. Uh, and then Lane Hatcher did what what he has been advertised as. He he threw the ball like crazy. The receivers performed well. And now you go into a tough Sunbelt schedule that starts off with James Madison and App State, who are probably two of the best teams in the Sunbelt. You know, you look at James Madison, they have the the best defense in the Sunbelt, the third best defense in the country right now. And the, um, the Bobcats don't really run the ball that well 
against good defenses that James Madison is only allowed 28 rush yards a game. And whenever they can't run the ball, that offense kind of stalls out. You saw that against Nevada and Baylor. And it's it's it scares me a little bit as well as James Madison has a very good dual threat quarterback that likes to run a lot. And we also saw in the Baylor game when Blake Shapin decided he wanted to run the ball, it was wide open. So quarterback runs and having a, a not great run offense could really come to hurt the Bobcats in this game. And they're going to have to find a way around those struggles. Yeah, this uh, this previous game was definitely fun to watch. I wasn't able to actually go to the game, unfortunately, but I did keep up with it on ESPN Plus. And uh, a couple things that I noticed was obviously our offense was actually doing something. They were capitalizing the red zone. They were moving down the field. Marcel Barbie did phenomenal. Uh, I believe he had roughly 12 receptions, I believe, in that game. And he, or no, excuse me, he had six receptions. Yeah, had for that. Uh, but he had it for 112 yards So and a touchdown. And that's roughly almost 19 yards per catch. So that's a phenomenal upgrade for Marcel Barbie, who we haven't really said his name that much so far this year. It's basically been Hawkins all year long, and Hawkins still did phenomenal, but this was definitely Marcel Barbie's game to go off. But another huge improvement was on the defensive side. Yes, HCU is not Baylor. They don't have the wonderful rushing offense that Baylor does, but, I mean, hey, it's an improvement, and you're going to take whatever improvement you can take and just to put it in perspective, Baylor rushed for almost 300 yards against this Texas State defense. HCU ran for 39 yards. So that just shows you, I mean, this Texas State defense was definitely angry at the how the performance was against the Bears. They wanted to respond, and they did. And so it will be interesting to see with conference opener against the Monarchs. Uh, the Monarchs... If y'all don't know, they were previously FCS school last year, moved up to FCS this year. Because of that, they are not allowed to make a bowl game. They're not allowed to make a conference championship game, any of that for this year since their first year. And so they don't really, I'm not, they're not going to say this, but they don't really have anything to play for except to prove that they are the best team in the conference, whether they're, whether they actually go to the conference championship or not. And so they're definitely going to do that against a West division opponent in Texas state. So expect them to be hungry, especially at their home crowd and first conference opener, I believe at their home stadium. So expect a tough environment there, but Lynn Hatcher and this offense they, I, I believe they're going to show up. They got something to prove this year with bowl eligibility. So, Yeah, as you mentioned, it was nice to see Lane Hatcher kind of come into form and how he was advertised in the past game. Um, obviously got more wide receivers in the in the loop. It was nice to, I mean, Ashton Hawkins is still wide receiver one in my opinion, but it was nice to see Marcel Barbie get that 112 yards. Um, and we think it was eight receivers caught a pass. So, or no, that's nine. Nine receivers caught a pass. So like to see more people getting involved in the offense. Um 362 is a good number to have in the air. Um, I, th I think that's like first or second most he's had all season. So um, good to see things improving on the offensive end of the ball. But um, JMU is going to be a tough team, obviously. They were down 28-3 to in that App State game. And Chase Bryce was a touted quarterback coming out of high school. He ended up committing to Clemson before ultimately transferring because uh, he was like third-string quarterback behind Trevor Lawrence and all that. But uh, 
Yeah, so if, if they showed against App State that they can uh, play good defense, I think that'll be a tough test for Texas State. And uh, Lane Hatcher's going to have to do a little bit more than what he did against Houston Christian to get the win in that game. Yeah, Lane Hatcher's definitely going to have to do a lot more, and he's going to have to do it on the back of people like Ashton Hawkins. Um, Ashton Hawkins, by the way, he had 34 receptions this year so far in the first, and that is the most in the first four games in a season in the entire Texas State program's FBS era. So Ashton Hawkins with Lane Hatcher, this offense can definitely do some great things and if you look at the offense in that game against hcu the texas state had 28 first downs compared to hcu's eight first downs mm-hmm. um by the way the bobcats only allowed 39 yards um i'm sorry they only allowed 39 yards on the ground for hcu and 103 in the air and they were only the Bob, uh, hcu huskies were left four of 15 on third down so only had a 26 percent um you know, third down percentage. So, yeah, so it's just shown that this Bobcat team was really trying their hardest to bounce back against the Baylors, and they did it defensively and offensively. And they have this momentum, and they're going to need to use that against James Madison. As you guys mentioned, they will be going away to play the Monarchs on Saturday, October 1st at 1230 p.m. That is in the afternoon. Um, You're going to be able to watch that game on ESPN Plus and listen to it on KTSW 89.9. So, yes, some exciting college football underway, but also some exciting national football, guys. Uh, We had a great national football weekend last weekend. Many people's fantasies didn't go or went their ways, especially with some injuries. Um, One injury came about last weekend, and I wanted to get this out there. Mac Jones, the quarterback for the uh, New England Patriots, unfortunately went out against the Baltimore Ravens. I wanted to hear your thoughts. What are the Patriots going to do without Mac Jones now? Is there any chance for the Patriots? Uh, is, are they going to have someone like Cooper Rush to help them? What's the situation for them? Uh, Bill Belichick officially came out today and said that if Mac Jones can't play, which I am thinking is going to happen for at least a week, that they're going to have Brian Hoyer at the helm of that offense. Um, you know, I as a, a former Texans fan, I got to see Brian Hoyer as the quarterback of that team for a little bit, and he uh, he gets the job done sometimes, and he also doesn't sometimes. So I think it's hit or miss with Brian Hoyer. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what he's going to do to save this offense because they were struggling with Mac Jones running it too. You know, their run game stepped it up a little bit, but overall their their team has not been doing that well offensively. And they go to face the Green Bay Packers next, who have been kind of kicking it up a notch offensively recently. So I don't know that Brian Hoyer has what it takes to get it done. I don't think it's the same magic that that Cooper Rush having right now. Well, speaking of magic, how about bringing Fitz Magic back from retirement to fill that spot? I don't think it's going to happen, but that would definitely be cool. But I mean, as far as it is definitely a huge blow for the Patriots. I mean, I am not a Patriots fan. I don't like the Patriots, but I would never wish for them to lose their starting quarterback on any day. I'm not that type of person. And personally, I kind of like Mac Jones. He's He's got that nice swagger about him while also being humble about it. And so I, uh, I appreciate that in a player. But, you know, honestly, uh, with Hoyer at it, I don't think they're really going to do anything. And like you said, they were struggling already with Mac Jones under center. And so now they they will have for sure undoubtedly a backup. It's not a Cooper Rush situation where he could easily start. No, it's it's a backup who's now going to be starting for the Patriots, and I don't think it's going to look good for them. So I do expect them now to – it's either a toss-up between them or the Jets as far as who's going to be in last place in the East. And 
Uh, right now, I think the Jets are looking better than the Patriots will. Yeah, I mean, I think the Patriots, they definitely took a loss for you know in this quarterback position. But Brian Hoyer, as you mentioned, that he will be stepping in this position. He has 10,631 passing yards in his career so far, 53 touchdowns, 35 interceptions, and only a completion rate of 59%. But I wanted to talk about something else, guys. Monday night football just occurred. Mm. And because we are recording this on the Wednesday, this is pretty fresh. I mentioned Cooper Rush, and I have a fellow ginger in the studio here, Thank so you. I feel like this must be talked about. The Cowboys came away with a 23 to 16 win. Um, this is Cooper Rush's second win as the quarterback playing against Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones had 196 yards, and Cooper Rush, he had 215. That may be a surprise to y'all, but I wanted to hear. What are y'all's thoughts on this Cowboys team now? Do they even need Dak Prescott? What are y'all's thoughts on Daniel Jones? Because I have some of my own. Uh, so, so Paxton, I actually was curious what you thought. Um, you know, I've heard, I've read some stuff that said that Dak could be good to mm. come back as soon as next week. And, you know, he's got a, a big contract around with him. Uh, so I, if he is able to come back, you know, there's been two different opinions with Mike McCarthy saying that, Dak's going to start as soon as he's back, but Jerry Jones says he's open to a, a quarterback competition, and you know Jerry Jones is basically the assistant head coach in, yeah. in Dallas. So, what what is your point of view on this situation? I mean, uh, me personally, I love Dak. I love him as a person. I love him as a player. I do think we paid him a little too much, but it is what it is. But uh, I honestly, my philosophy has been. Whoever's winning you games, continue going with them. Now, granted, it does suck as far as if that's the case, then obviously Cooper Rush is going to be starting over Prescott. We got a $40 million backup quarterback. So it is a little bit of a controversy, but I mean, Cooper Rush is winning us games right now. Now, the thing is, is that he's played against two as of right now. I mean, yeah, the Giants were undefeated, but let's be honest, like that they had easy opponents. And so... And then they play against the Bengals, who's started off pretty badly so far. So he's played against two relatively easy opponents. Now he's got the Commanders. They've been on and off. But then the Eagles. Eagles are second-best team in the league right now. And so if Cooper Rush starts that game, wins that game, I think undoubtedly, I think he's pretty much won his starting position because he would then at that point be 5-0 and as a starter. And so Dak, I mean, he's we saw the struggles against Tampa Bay. Now, Tampa Bay's got wonderful defense, but I mean, that's your $40 million quarterback a year right there. And he's literally doing nothing on the offensive side, whereas Cooper Rush, I mean, just within the first three minutes of the Cincinnati game, he was already doing more than Dak Prescott. So uh, me personally, I would keep going with the redhead. I love Dak. But as of right now, with the way things are going, Cooper Rush is leading that offense how Jer or how Mike McCarthy wants it. Yeah, um, I don't really think this is a situation where you need to rush Dak back. Um, hand injuries kind of in, to the throwing hand is is one thing, but like when you got Cooper Rush in there at two and zero, and obviously things are kind of clicking a little bit. Uh, I don't think you need to rush him back that fast. I think we need to bring some attention to Tony Pollard though, because that guy gets the chains mm -hmm. moving and. Uh, I think that you give him some of that credit because although Zeke Elliott's, you know, putting up his numbers, uh, I think he's outperforming Zeke at this point. Um, so I just wanted to give a little um, emphasis to Tony Pollard there. But also, um, CeeDee Lamb's playing like uh, a number one wide receiver right now, and, and that's something to be um, kind of proud of. It's a little bit weird to draft a wide receiver in the first round sometime, but um, clearly going for it there was um, a good risk. And uh, yeah. 
pretty much all I got to say on that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, well, with the CD Lamb, that that one play where he missed that wide open. I mean, I I watched and I'm like, how do you drop that? Like, I mean, come on, I could I could I could catch that. But I mean, anyway. But he did. He still he obviously made up with that for that incomplete pass. But yeah, Tony Pollard. I mean, he's doing phenomenal. Because uh, Zeke, I mean, he had one rush, I think it was like 25 yards, and it's like, oh, my gosh, it's 2016 Zeke again, and then, like, nothing after that. <laughs> Speaking of Zeke, this is what I wanted to point out. Ezekiel Elliott had 73 rushing yards. Mm. You know, there was a player on the Giants who had 79 rushing yards, and his name is Daniel Jones, who is also <laughs> their starting quarterback, and that's what I want to talk about here. I loved watching Cooper Rush get the win. I'm all for the Cowboys. Go, Cooper Rush. You're doing great. Go like you're a Kurt Warner lookalike. Don't care. Now, here's the thing. <laughs> Daniel Jones. I've never watched a quarterback run. I mean, okay, maybe this is normal thing. Maybe I'm just not an avid football watcher. But Daniel Jones is not the normal quarterback. This guy's running it like crazy. I mean, it seems like... I mean, he didn't get one touchdown throw the entire game, which, you know, that's unfortunate for them. Um, and, and their passing game was terrible. I mean, no one had over 50 yards, um, and, you know, and C.D. Lamb had 80-something 80, 80 already on his own. So, you know, I just think Daniel Jones, it was kind of exciting to see. I'm kind of, you know, maybe kind of a Giants fan now. I'll definitely watch maybe one more game <laughs> of them. If I see Daniel Jones play at this again, I'm going to talk about it again in here. You're going to hear his name. Don't know why I'm mentioning it. But Cooper Rush, yeah, doing great things. Should he stay? I think yes, yeah, stay with the winning as long as you can. Um, but against the Eagles, okay, when you when you I say throw Dak in right when those teams start to get hard, right? Just ca- stay on the Cooper Rush train. Let him, you know, let Dak relax, whatever. Then get Dak in there. I know it was some forty. I don't know how many millions of dollars they paid. I was not aware of the deal when it went down. Maybe y'all could help me out. But um, yeah, no, nah, Cowboys winning against the Giants, and now it's leading to Thursday night football, and I have to hear your thoughts. We have the Cincinnati Bengals, and they're playing against no other than... The Miami Dolphins. And, guys, it's going to be an exciting game. I want to hear your picks. Who's winning Thursday night football? I'm, I'm excited to watch this game, uh, partially because the Bengals are coming out with their uh, White Tiger uniforms mm. for the first time. It's going to be after the NFL approved the the alternate helmets and they're bringing out the white tiger helmets. So I'm excited to see, I'm, I'm kind of a, a uniform geek. Um, but, but the game, you know, I, I'm kind of calling the Bengals bluff at this point. I don't get the hype around them anymore. They have really underperformed in uh, the beginning of the season, but on the other side, you're, you're looking at uh, the dolphins who are, are undefeated, but they have just squeaked by the last two weeks because of the other team making mistakes with, you know, Baltimore's defense giving up that lead and then Buffalo with the clock issue last week. So both of these teams are an interesting story with, you know, squeaking by and then the um, just the kind of underperforming from from last season. So I think it'll be a, a close game. These Thursday night games have really been exciting matchups so far, and I hope that they continue to uh, to be good ones. I, I'm going to take the Dolphins in this one, though. Well, I uh, I would take the Dolphins, except uh, I don't know what's going on with Tua right now as far as the injury deal. And so I, it's a little bit of a toss-up with whoever's going to be starting at quarterback for the, uh, for the Dolphins. But, I mean, going to the Bengals, I mean, it, it's giving me kind of flashbacks to last year uh, with the Chiefs. I mean, the Chiefs started awfully. I remember we were we were doing picks during games, and we're like, 
So you think the Chiefs are actually going to show up? No, they're not going to do good this year. And then, look, they ended up making it to the conference championship. So I think the Bengals definitely are in a little bit of a flunk right now. they got to get their offensive line under control, especially with how much money they spend on their offensive line. But I think eventually they will come around. I don't know if this is going to be another Super Bowl contending Bengals team by any chance, but I do think that they will eventually improve and potentially make the playoffs. I don't think that this is a bust season by any means for them. But as far as this game, like I said, whoever's in that starting quarterback realm, that determines whether I choose Miami or not. So right now, if two is out, I got Cincinnati. No, yeah, for me, this game is completely dependent on who's starting for the Dolphins. Um, if it's Tua, I think this game's fun and entertaining. Without Tua, uh, I think the Bengals finally just get a, get a win in the win column. But uh, a big thing in the offseason was that O-line. Everyone was saying, hey, Joey's actually going to have someone to protect him now. All's good. But you let him throw four interceptions. I mean, sure, you could say it's like his decision-making. But I think it goes to he's getting pressured. He's feeling uncomfortable in the pocket. He can't do it. You know, we all know Joe Burrow can do um, this is obviously a big test, a 3-0 team. The Dolphins kind of don't look like that 3-0 team right now. I think mm-hmm. they snuck away with that win last week. Uh, uh, he, uh, Josh Allen obviously looked distraught after that win. I don't know if y'all saw, he was kind of like hugging Tua, and he looked like what he should be doing to Tua. Um, but big big game coming up. I think the Bengals take this one, but uh, completely contingent on if the Dolphins actually have their quarterback. That's the point I was going to say. It just depends on who the personnel is. You know, if if two is there, then it's going to be a very interesting match, and it's going to be a defensive game for sure. Um, but you know, what I say, what I think about this game, it, it's kind of a a game Joe Shiesty must win. Joe Burrow must win this because there are people like me that are starting to question: Is he having an off season? Was it just a one year thing? Is he going to be able to do this every year? Seeing him throw four interceptions previously, I mean, it made me questionable. So he knows that he has to win this game, and you have to win against Tua. I mean, Tua, he's doing the improbable. We've seen him come back against the Ravens. We've seen him play great, even when it looks like he had a concussion. So it's very interesting. I think the Bengals. I'm going to go for the underdog team here. I'm going to go for the one and two team right here and hopefully they can try and get an upset against you know Miami but Miami right here obviously does have the momentum and they're a young team and they got a lot of fun people Tyree Kill Tua they're doing great things but yes so tune into that on you know CBS NBC wherever you can find your Thursday night football but guys that was a great wonderful episode um, for JP Flanagan Paxton Graff Colton Gibson this was Justin Brown we'd like to thank you for listening to this episode make sure and check out KTSW Sports on Instagram and Twitter at KTSW Sports and feel free to check out Close the and Bobcat Radio anywhere you find your podcast and radio. But anyways, have a good one and see you later.